Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Produce Buzzers Podcast. We are so happy you have joined us today, and I think you will be too after the show is over, because you will learn a lot about fresh fruits and vegetables, how to select and store them, how to prepare and cook them, and surprising facts about their history and origin. We hope it inspires you to eat more fresh fruits and vegetables, not only for your health, but also for your delight and pleasure as you explore their amazing world of taste and delicious flavors. Eating more of them will transform your life in so many positive ways. So settle back, relax, and get ready for another delicious adventure with the Produce Buzzers. Produce Buzzers podcast fans, and welcome to another delicious episode of the Produce Buzzers podcast. I'm Edwin Stepp, your host and executive editor of theproducebuzz.com, joined once again by Teresa Nolan, the president and founder of producebuzz.com, and Rick Stepp and Cynthia Benedetto, both contributing editors to Produce Buzz. You know, consumers have always despaired at the reality of the perishability of fruits and vegetables and how easy it is to lose them to rot or decay before having a chance to eat them. But now that inflation is here and stinging us in the, well, back pocket, throwing away those veggies is even more painful. Even before the pandemic and the steep rise in costs over, we have seen over the past year, Tossing out those moldy berries or sprouting potatoes has discouraged people from eating more fresh fruits and vegetables. But the produce buzzers are here to help. Today, we are going to show you how to make your fruits and veggies last longer. We're going to take a look at 10 or so popular fruits and vegetables that frustrate us the most when it comes to decay and loss in our pantries and our refrigerators. But before we get into that, I want to take a look at what are the most popular fruits and veggies over the past year. Then we will isolate those in that list that are the most difficult to store and preserve and give you some tips on how to keep them, keep them fresh. Every year, a major trade journal from the produce industry titled The Packer surveys customers to see which are the fruits and veggies they are buying most often. This year's survey was released in the spring, and it was once again a survey of 1,000 consumers across the U.S. The survey asked them not only about what they were purchasing, but also how their buying habits have changed in the face of the pandemic and inflation. According to the report, the pandemic had a profound impact on the way in which consumers shop for food, including fresh produce. And now, despite shoppers returning to in-store purchasing, dining in restaurants and other pre-COVID-19 habits, some pandemic effects continue to linger. Specifically, rising inflation and food costs related to the pandemic are now influencing consumer purchasing habits in new ways. With regard to inflated food prices over the past 18 months, consumers reported employing a number of money-saving strategies, such as cutting back on other areas of their budget to continue purchasing the same amount and types of food or simply buying less. And while other habits formed during the pandemic, such as online ordering, curbside pickup, and home delivery for groceries and fresh items are clearly here to stay, the survey found that these behaviors have lessened since 2021. Of those who said they had discontinued using online shopping, most, about 45%, 
47% cited their desire to be able to touch and smell produce themselves as the reason for going back to in-person shopping. We produce buzzers can identify with that. I do not trust anyone else. <laughs> I would edges. barely trust you, Edwin. <laughs> or the same to you, Cynthia. <laughs> <laughs> The pandemic also influenced some consumer purchasing decisions around packaged produce. Well, last year's Fresh Trends report found that over the course of 2020, 79% of respondents said they bought packaged produce. This year in 2022, that number ticked up to 82%. The majority of survey respondents indicated that they plan to buy more packaged fresh produce over the next 12 months. One positive thing in this year's report is that most respondents said they are buying more fresh fruit much more fresh produce than five years ago, 69% said that. And even one year ago, 64% said they are buying more fresh produce than in the past. That may be due to the fact that a large percentage said they were eating at home much more often than before the pandemic. About half of the people said they are eating at home much more often now. Okay, so enough about trends and the shopping habits. What are consumers buying most in the produce aisle? Produce buzzers, care to guess what was the number one produce item on shopping lists over the past year? Bananas. Ah, yes, Cynthia, way to go. Bananas, of course. We know that <laughs> they are always at the top of the list. What else do you think is at the top of the list? How about a veggie this time? Broccoli. Uh, it, yep, broccoli is up there. It's not the next most popular thing. It's about, where does it come in? About number nine or 10. Lettuce? <clears throat> you know, well, interesting. Uh, yes, lettuce is actually less than bro broccoli. broccoli. Now, I should explain wow. that that these, these are, the consumers were asked uh, which of these, you know, they were given a list of items to choose from, and they were asked which of these they had purchased in the last 12 months. So interestingly, 46% oh, said they had brought broccoli, but only 43% said they had bought lettuce. Now, did they, was it specific on lettuces or was it romaine it or was, anything it, that you could make a salad from? What I, the info I have from the report just says lettuce. So that could be probably iceberg, romaine. Yeah, and I haven't anything. bought iceberg lettuce in 10 years. But it didn't say iceberg lettuce. It just says lettuce. So mm -hmm. it could be that include the packaged salads. Well, it's interesting. 44% said they had bought a salad mix, while only 43% said they had bought lettuce. Hmm. Mm, I don't buy the bag salads. <laughs> Which, if you combine those two, it would probably be more like 65%. That's a good point. They actually bought right. lettuce. I get you. Yes, it's in the salad mix. Yeah. That's a good point. So that would that would make sense. That would push it up quite a bit. And it, they didn't. They didn't isolate specific types of lettuce in this, as far as I can see. But the number one veggie, you've got to get. Come on. Oh, so we're guessing again? Strawberries? No, no, no. The, number, on one, number one veggie. Carrots? Tomato. Oh. But that's really a fruit. Potato. Potatoes. Yeah. Is that a vegetable? Really? Yeah. Is it a vegetable? It's not a fruit. Yeah, it's a vegetable. Yeah. It's a okay. real vegetable. It's a root vegetable. It's a root <laughs> vegetable. Yeah. A tuber. Yeah. <laughs> and you can Maybe get a tuber one. Has to be the green part of the plant, you know. Yeah. 
Well, they call it a root vegetable. Yeah. Okay. It All right. It can't be. It's either a vegetable or fruit, right? Or a mushroom. <laughs> well, some people call mushrooms vegetables, <laughs> even though they're not. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. true. Okay, so bananas were number one. Potatoes were number two. Uh, tomatoes are number three. Oh, I got one, two, um, and three. Onions number four. Mm, of course. Strawberries number five. So Cynthia, you had you picked strawberries. That was quite a bit high up there. Four out and of then, five. So yeah, and then grapes and apples tied for number six. Uh, watermelon was next. Uh, I'm sorry, carrots was next. Then watermelon. Mm -hmm. uh, then oranges and bell peppers and broccoli tied at 46 oh. this is what people say they are buying that's what they say they're buying so there could be they Why, you asked, think they're being phony balonies well no, i don't remember too well yeah if you look at volume bought oh then, no no this is not volume this right. is just they're, they're asked which of these did you purchase in the last 12 months right Right. So volume-wise, this list would certainly change. So they could have bought chestnuts in the past 12 months for a very <laughs> small quantity. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think they were given a list of things to choose from. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe at the end they said, what else would you add to this? I don't know. I didn't get enough into the report. Didn't see that anywhere. Okay, I thought our listeners would find that interesting, and maybe they might want to share on our Facebook page the fresh fruits and veggies they bought most over the past year. Visit Produce Buzz on Facebook and let us know, and let us know if you bought any unusual fruits and veggies that didn't appear on this list of most popular ones. Perhaps you have some that are very popular in your household that you buy more often than these things. So... Now that we've seen what are the most purchased items in the produce aisle, let's focus on some of them that we have the most difficult time with as far as using up before they go bad. And the produce buzzers will tell you today how to select and store those to make sure you can use them before you lose them. So let's begin. We're going to start with strawberries, and I'll lump berries in there too, because we have one of the world's foremost experts on how to take care of your strawberries and berries. And that is Teresa Nolan. Teresa, can you help our listeners? Oh, I hope I don't disappoint them. That <laughs> great buildup comes in. <laughs> but uh, fresh strawberries can deteriorate quite quickly after their purchase. So you have to watch them. Um, the major culprit being mold or Botrytis sometimes, which is a type Ooh, of mold. Botrytis. Ooh. No, it's that another pandemic. <laughs> ah. Are we going to have a pandrux, pan, botrytis it's, pandemic next year, Teresa? <laughs> it's when your strawberries grow a beard, you know, that little white beard that they can grow. Ooh, yeah. Is that what the, the mold botrytis. is called? Is it all yes. the mold or are there different kinds of molds? I'm sure there are other types of mold, but that's the most commonly right. seen, that's, I think. I've seen those beards. Yes. So you can keep them a bit fresher if you'll wait to wash them just before eating. And they'll actually taste better if you do that too. And you want to store them in the refrigerator. Um, some say in a paper towel line basket or bowl, that would keep you know, the moisture from uh, causing more mold. Uh, I've never done that. I usually just store them in the container that they come in. 
Strawberries are a natural for long-term preservation. They can be made into a shelf-stable jam or fruit leather. Can't say I've ever done that uh, <laughs> unless it was an accident. And they, free <laughs> and they freeze beautifully, either sliced or whole. whole. Uh, to freeze them, just wash them, take the hulls off, pat them dry, place on a cookie sheet in the freezer for at least eight hours. Overnight is easier. And when the berries are frozen solid, transfer to a resealable bag and store them in the freezer. I do remember when I was young, the recipe for freezing strawberries used to end with bunch, dump a bunch of sugar on top of them. Oh, Some yeah. of you may have had that, <laughs> but you don't need to. The berries we get today are very, very sweet. Yeah, the varieties. We've talked about that on the show before, the varieties. How yeah, but when them. you do macerate the strawberries, it makes it for a very nice addition for. Uh... <laughs> yes. They're, they're Cynthia's sweet, too. Yeah, exactly. Yes. But, you know, when you've got them all sliced and you put just a tiny bit of sugar on it, that draws the juices out. I know, that's what I think most people like about putting a little bit of sugar on them. Yeah. And, you know, of course, try to get your palate retrained, Cynthia. Let's not Ugh. result to additional <laughs> sugar on the fruit. Uh, you can store them in the refrigerator for maximum freshness uh, and they'll stay fresh for up to eight days. However, when the berries begin to spoil, according to the internet, you can simply cut off or you can't simply cut off or toss the piece of moldy fruit. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've cut off a lot of mold from strawberries and even the <laughs> other part. But, you know, maybe somebody knows something I don't know. They say that the mold grows beneath the surface and can be difficult to see. And it also spreads quickly to nearby fruit. So you're gonna look at the nearby fruit and see if you can see that it's spread. Uh, if, and in that case, you might wanna be safe and just toss it out. Um, blueberries- It's hard to do that though, isn't it? I, I've done the same yeah. thing. I'm like, you know oh, what? I can't throw this berry away. I saw one of these things online uh, and I did it with blueberries and I did it with blackberries. And uh, the it's like to put it in a colander, but so you could submerge the berries with water, distilled vinegar and some baking soda. And uh, so I will- Granted that it did generate a lot of stuff at the bottom of the uh, the bowl of water. So is this for cleaning? Yes, this is what the person suggested, like to to You're not clean talking about slash... storing them. You're just yeah, them. no, and okay. th right. it was her opinion that you okay. pop it in a in a, a a container and you can have berries. You know, it keeps your berries. Uh, fresh for a couple weeks she said meanwhile i did it uh yesterday and today they look like they would have been much better had i not added you know the moisture to them all because then the, the breakdown was just so so bad and luckily we'll blow through them but um i would have to disagree with the that hack if you will. 
Yeah. Well, and I bet they don't taste as well as good. No, they did because it was it was mostly water. You add some distilled vinegar, and like the the baking soda is like. But you rinse them off after. Yeah, of course. Yes. (laughs) Okay. I know. I was kind of like, I don't know, and then like you know, so I didn't tell my husband because then he'd like you know get squirmy about it. He gobbled them down today. He couldn't tell the difference, nor could I. But I I just saw freezing before I would do that. Yeah. I would put it in the freezer before I would put vinegar and baking soda on that. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm telling you, there was a lot of stuff in that water. Yeah. Any buggy bugaboos? Uh, I didn't find any bugs. Yeah. But there I've was seen, a lot of I've dirt. I've seen a like hack like, like that, that for mm-hmm. strawberries, and they show, you know, the videos showed these little bugs coming out of the strawberries. Have you seen those? Uh, no. I didn't believe the video. Yeah, exactly. I want to see uh, a bibliography. No, there's no bugs coming out of these strawberries. Uh, that's the that's protein. Strawberries have protein. <laughs> <laughs> strawberries have protein. Yeah. Good bacteria. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Anything well, else about how to preserve our berries and make them last? Uh, raspberries are even more fragile yeah. than strawberries. Uh, <clears throat> and so you want to use those as quickly as you can that would be my advice on that it's about all you can do just eat them up or freeze them again you can freeze them but you know you want to use them Um, yeah i don't you know when i buy them i want to eat them fresh they're never as good frozen but um and i always think okay well i bought i got a good deal on this big pack from Mm -hmm. costco or whatever Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i watch them day after day after day but i always miss last point i usually yeah yeah frustrating all right okay so let's go to the number one produce item on our consumers list bananas bananas we have another world-class expert on how to keep and preserve bananas cynthia benedetto can you help our consumers now if I have to quote my information, it's probably so old that it's like, you know, irrelevant <laughs> now. But um, bananas are those things that, you know, sometimes they force you to buy the organic bananas, which are 10 or 20 cents more expensive a pound. How do they force um, you to buy organic? Because sure. the organic. the others? No, they're the other ones are green. Or they've had cold damage, so they're that gray, which, you know, um, depending on where that happened along the delivery uh, slash ripening uh, route. While you're on this, we should remind our listeners that Cynthia worked for Dole Fruit Company, and she was very involved in the whole process of how bananas. It taught people how to ripen their bananas. Yeah, the the retailers (laughs) and... uh, instructed wholesalers them. Mm-hmm. she knows the supply chain very well on bananas and uh, what can go wrong in that supply chain so that's kind of what she's referring to right now so um so they are if they're yellow they will sell and so when they're all yellow on the organic side and the other ones are green you know and i want to eat them you know today then that's how I think it's forced. But I also go uh, down the aisle that they usually have with fruit. I mean, with cereal. 
and they will have like the leftover bananas that are very ripe and not ripe where they're spotted, but you should eat it today or tomorrow. And it'll be like, they're generally the ones that get pulled off. And so they're all singles, but that's a perfect thing to look for. And those are generally uh, not organics. Right. That's their merchandising technique to make the, or just like to, or to help with their shrink because then it's yeah. Right. right, Merchandising. But um, so I just uh, keep them at room temperature. And then if they, if, and it'll go two ways. So once they're full yellow, no green tips, and I'm not going to eat them, they will either one go down the path of becoming uh, an ingredient for my banana bread. So then I will let it get just disgustingly dark black, nearly rotten. And uh, then I pop it in the freezer for uh, banana bread. Hmm. And, or if it's not going to go that way, then once they are starting to show some, uh, some spots, then they go in the refrigerator, but that's after they're full. You like them pretty ripe. No, I like them. uh, A number six, just full ripe yellow, ready to go. Okay. Ready to eat right then and there. I don't want to wait till tomorrow. Like that's my favorite way to eat them. I like them almost green, not too green on the green side. There's a little tartness still in them. That's the way I like. But the point is that once, because everybody likes them at a different stage, you know, or Mm -hmm. everybody, a lot of people, people like them at different stages. I like them a little on the green side. You like them right at their perfect ripeness. But once you see, once you get them to that, stage you can pop them in the refrigerator and then they'll hold for a while won't they yes yes yeah at that at that ripeness now and as i understand it the skin can turn black in the refrigerator but the fruit inside will be pretty much where you look and my what my husband will do is if he's using a half a banana he'll put the other half in the refrigerator which then the end of it oxidizes and looks awful and then the the peel will turn a bad color but once you if you just cut off the end and peel it off it's it's Cynthia. remarkably very Cynthia. um Cynthia. Hmm. who eats a half a banana what's wrong oh, yeah you know, i know what's wrong with them <laughs> how much time you got how much time you got well in food and, service and in elementary schools they usually cut the bananas in half um, well, no, you get the small bananas or like you know, in food service or you get the 100 count but uh potatoes sweet potatoes they also cut them in half in the, in the school system they will uh you know for little kids they may not eat a whole banana so they leave the peel on and just slice them in half and so i'm sure a lot of parents do that as well because they don't want the kid to throw half of the banana in the trash mm-hmm. that's true yeah. i have to tell you that i have no qualms about going through the banana display and taking off the bananas I want from the different hands of bananas there, rather than trying to find just the right size. And so do you buy them at different stages? You you have one at a three, one at a four, one. (laughs) Yes. And, and yes, yes. So that way you've got them, you know, I always break a hand too, because invariably the one I want, have like eight bananas and yeah 
just too and, much. And I usually break them from the underside because they haven't been slammed on the counter by somebody in the store to bruise the back of them. I don't know whether you've noticed that or not. The yeah, underside, what do you mean? Well, you know how the hand kind of curves in? Right. The underneath side is not as vulnerable to get bruised. I have seen so much mishandling of bananas in stores where the, when they put them on, they just drop them on the display. And the next thing you know, there's bruising on that outer side of the uh, banana. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. So if they've put tape around the banana so that you buy the whole bunch, do you cut the tape? No. <laughs> the only ones that tape them are the the organic ones, I think. The organic ones usually have the tape on them. That's what I right, do. Right, but they also, but it's not just to differentiate between organic or non-organic because they usually all have stickers on them. So, you know, you'd be found out then. <laughs> right. so unless you want to switch stores, a sticker. What? Three, a lot of the club stores do them like in a three-pound bunch and they'll put tape around it so yes they weigh it out at three pounds and that also keeps people from tampering for the most part keeps them from tampering with them well they also sell sell them as a flat price in those bags yeah so they're not equipped to weigh one or two bananas out right so you have to be able to consume that many and which you probably could if you don't mind putting them in the refrigerator but Mm -hmm. uh, I have found some stores have very low banana prices and it's a lot easier to buy, you know, a few at the lower price mm -hmm. for me. If you have a big family, the packaged route is probably the way to go. Sure. So we're going to see a lot of broken hands in the banana aisle. <laughs> <No. laughs> <laughs> yeah. you've, never, you've never been scolded for for picking the bananas off of different hands? Never. Have you? No. And okay. let me ask you, who in the hell do you think would have the audacity to give Teresa a mouth? You, oh. you, you do not know Teresa. Uh -huh. You encountered each other in the grocery store. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I saw Teresa doing something. With I mean, say like, what are you going to fondle them all, lady? <laughs> And I would say, yes, I am. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Any more about uh, any more advice for our listeners about bananas, Cynthia? No. All right. Very good. Thank you so much. That's great. Okay. So now we're going to turn to one of the uh, veggies on the list today, or two of the veggies, actually, that really they hold up quite well. Uh, you know, they last a long time, but I think we've all experienced the disappointment of seeing these two things uh, poop out on us to say, to start to sprout uh, potatoes and onions. And Rick is going to tell uh, to help our listeners today about how best to store those. Because oftentimes we want to buy those in big quantities. You know, those are the things you buy five pound bags of because uh, the price is good. And uh, it's just more convenient in a lot of ways than picking out by, by the piece, especially if you have a family. So, Rick, can you help our listeners today with potatoes and onions and how best to store those? Yes. Uh, the main thing with potatoes and onions is to store them in a cool, dry place. 
in darkness if possible. So a lot of people put them in their basements or a, a root cellar, which you don't see that very often now anymore. <laughs> root cellar. In the old days, they would store potatoes. Well, actually, the potatoes we buy out of the store during the wintertime have been in cellars. They've been stored underground. And uh, that's the best way to do it if you can put them in total darkness and maybe around 50 degrees. Interesting. Uh, so uh i've experienced- I, I i don't want to mean to interrupt but i do mean to interrupt i hadn't <laughs> thought about that you know the potatoes aren't growing all year round they have a season where they come in and i guess you know they are different times of the years and certain growing regions like california where they can grow them year almost year round but you're talking about potatoes being harvested in the uh in the spring so if you're getting in, them in, in January, the fall actually in the fall okay all right yeah, yeah. So like a, the russet, the typical Idaho russet potato or Wisconsin okay. russet potato, right? They're harvested in the fall and then they put them in the ground. Basically, they they have uh, something like a root cellar, and so they commercially store them that way. Right. So that's the most ideal way: is total darkness, maybe around fifty degrees. Fahrenheit. So if you're buying a potato in June, a russet anyway, let's just mm-hmm. stick with that from Idaho right uh that potato was harvested nine months earlier so it had to be stored somehow right so uh that's good news for us as potato purchasers that we they can how how long can a potato be stored i'm sorry to bring up these questions i'm interrupting you but really a year because like for example in idaho there's one growing season they harvest them in the fall they put them in storage and uh, they'll have those right up until the next crop comes in. Right. Uh, And uh, potato people who store potatoes use what they call sprout inhibitors on them after a certain point. It it can inhibit the cell division. And um, so they never use it on seed potatoes, but it does inhibit the growth of sprouts do they put those on what's a seed potato that's a potato that they use to grow other potatoes the next crop so when do they They apply that uh usually you know i don't know how long after they've been picked they don't apply that immediately but they do put it on uh a little bit later well, you should know. Teresa's represented the Maine Potato Board, and uh, did you do some work for? We're spuddy when we need them. <laughs> yeah. Teresa, do you remember how they stored the potatoes in Maine? Did you ever see the storage? They, uh, the oh. ones I remember seeing were big, um, almost like cavern-like uh, covers, and they just put them inside. The, they were dark, and it was very chilly in there but it was not freezing cold but well, that's were, been, it was an earth it was dirt it was or, dirt yeah, yeah the ones i remember they were so the closer you can simulate that at home the better uh i prefer not to put mine in my basement because one time i put 10 pounds down there and forgot about them and i <laughs> came about 12 months later and they were rotting and sprouting and i had 10 pounds of rotten potatoes nothing smells worse nothing smells worse (laughs) yeah but i have a we have a potato drawer in our kitchen it's it's a 
large drawer with plenty of airspace. And so I take brown paper bags and cut the top, cut the paper bag down. So there's like maybe four inches of bag left from the bottom. And I put my potatoes in one side and I put my onions in the other. I don't mix them together. And I have no trouble with them being stored side by side. But what you don't want to do, as we learned from uh, previous podcasts, is you don't want to mix your potatoes and onions together because the uh, ethylene gas from the onions can affect the, the potatoes. So, but as long as you can store them side by side, as long as you don't mix them and as long as there's enough air circulation. Yeah. And I've been doing that for years. And I've never had any trouble, but a lot of people will tell you never store potatoes and onions together, but really it just depends on the conditions. Um, I haven't noticed a lot of difference when I try to keep them separate as far as how long they last. So you but, said good airflow. So is that another key? Dark, well, say, air okay, so. I guess I should say airspace. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's, yeah. yeah. You wouldn't want to put them side by side in a drawer and have them, you know, no airspace at all for them. Right. Then they would start to interact with each other. Yeah. Doesn't need like air circulating, but they no. need space. So, so we're so far it's uh cool, dry, uh, dark. better in the dark and with some air space. So. Right. Now, a lot of people put their onions in a wire basket on a countertop. And that's a, actually a very good way to store onions is on the countertop. Yeah. Uh, they don't necessarily need to be in the dark. Right. Um, yeah. Like the, those red Italian onions that we talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do the, do you hang those somewhere? Didn't he you say can. You... It becomes a decoration. I but I'd buy them for as much a decoration as I would for use, but then you can use them. Okay, so is that all you have for us on potatoes and onions, Rick? Just try to simulate uh, darkness, dryness, cool but not too cold. You don't want to put them in the refrigerator. Right. You want to be fifty degrees, just maybe fifty to fifty-eight degrees, if you can do that. Most people can't do that. Yeah, you so, can't do it at my house. Yeah. Just find so, the coolest spot that makes sense. I mean, yeah. And one question I have is one of the one of the ways you can lose potatoes is when they start to green. And that's caused, I, usually caused by light. So that's why you yeah. want to okay. in the dark place. All right. There and I go. keep mine in the in the um pantry with the door closed. Yeah, that's fine because it's dark. Yeah, anyway. exactly. And then it sprouts and then it turns green. And then like my onions get soft. It's just like it, I, I have no luck down here in Florida. Just buy fewer at a time. Yeah. Why don't we buy like, you know, one or two onions? Yeah. Yeah. But then they get if But one then or I, two have onions buy, would I have to be buy gone two. In one or two days with my, at my house. <laughs> exactly. Well, because they're eaten or because they're, they've because gone they're bad. Eaten. Oh, okay. I, no, I so eat onions every day. Every I day, love so. onions, but yeah. if I don't cook and I haven't used them, I buy two. I like to have two on hand because if one of them is ugly in the middle, then I'm like, Ugh. so I have to have my backup. Okay. Produce Buzzers podcast fans. Here is, we're going to talk next about, it wasn't on the top 10 list as far as what people say they're buying most often. 
but it has to be on the top 10 list of what people love the most and which is probably one of the most frustrating fruits or veggies that we buy and just seem to have the most difficulty with. And that is avocados. And Cynthia, in addition to being a bananas, world-class banana expert, <laughs> she's also a world-class avocado expert. So Cynthia, please help our listeners today with how to make sure they get the most out of those avocados. The most out of avocados only by Hass, like your ass. And <laughs> those are those um, ones that go black, pebbly skin. Yes, they go black. black yes. And it's about the only kind you buy, can buy anymore. Anyway, sorry. I'm when I uh, choose my avocados, they are, they might have some blackening on them, but they still have a, a heavy duty green tint. And although Rick always gives me a hard time, when I press to see if they're going to yield to gentle pressure. I don't stick my tip of my thumb in it. <laughs> I use the back of my thumb. Just squeeze it. Mm -mm. And um, bruise, bruise. And so <laughs> I will just make sure that it has a little bit of give. And uh, then I make sure I carry those in a separate bag. And if I'm not doing self-checkout, I will make them either check it out first or check it out last because invariably then they get squashed at the end of the, uh, the conveyor belt or like what bag boy puts them in with some, you know, something hard. So I guard them with my life. <laughs> and when uh, I get home there, they are just so easy because in the same bowl that I have my bananas, I will put my uh, avocados, kind of pile them up top and uh, then wait, wait for them to ripen. And they have been consistent in terms of probably uh, three to four days ripening. I get them that green so that uh, I can have, uh, I'm, I'm too nervous to buy the ones that are ripe and ready to eat because you're going to get those home and who knows what they are going to look like inside. Yeah. But uh, if then if the week has gotten away with from me and uh, it hasn't made it on my menu, then once they are 100% ripe and they're all black and they're ready to eat, I will put them in the refrigerator. And um, or if I'm using half of one, I will cover it with something plastic or I'll I'll try to put it in a container with a really tight lid, but they're going to get some discoloration, but it's, it's just nothing on the surface. Usually. Yeah. It's just like, it's not that bad, but um, I have kept them at the in the refrigerator for maybe 10 days, but I could never get to a month out of them. Like y'all say that you do. I do. I do get them one month. Do, do you have them in the drawer? Are they up in once, the once dairy? Ripe, Where I, are they? Once they're ripe, I put them in a like a Tupperware container. Mm -hmm. and just put them where I don't bruise them up. Mm -hmm. and they can last up to 30 days and still be good. 
And so maybe with the container, it helps keeping them from getting dehydrated. That's what I find is the worst for mine. Is they? I, th I think so. They're That's, so terribly dehydrated. Yeah, it keeps the. In fact, when you open it up after three weeks or whatever, there's going to be like moisture in there. And uh, I guess if you just put them in the refrigerator without covering them, mm -hmm. they'll probably dehydrate more and maybe. So when the, you take off the lid, is like. No, there's not like a pressure buildup or anything. It's just, you can see a lot of humidity. Condensation. Yeah, condensation where they've been respirating. Yeah. You know, the fruit drawer of the refrigerator has more humidity too. So that's a good place to store it. Right. Yeah, I would, myself, I've never even tried storing them loose in the fruit drawer. I've always put them in a Tupperware container, airtight, mm. and that's what works for me. That's yeah. interesting. I've never, yeah. never done that. I always just put them in the fridge. But once you get them in that fridge at the right, again, it's like the bananas we talked about before. You get to the ripeness that you prefer. Right. Uh, or maybe a little bit on avocados a little bit before, I think, even because they'll continue to ripen a bit. But it real the fridge, the refrigeration really slows down the ripening process. And yeah, I've I've been able to keep them to it for a month as well. But it's uh, most I usually use them up before a month. So that's one reason right. why I've never really gotten to a month. But anyway. Yeah. All righty, Cynthia, any more about avocados you want to tell us? Mm, they're so perfect on a tuna fish sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> they are good that way. Avocado toast is the new trend. Been for a while. Yep. Started uh, in California, right? Of course. It <laughs> no, New Zealand. Oh, really? oh, oh, okay. Well, I was thinking contiguous. Yes, States. yes. I I saw it when I was in New Zealand, and I thought, wonder why people aren't doing this in the U.S. because it's so good. And it wasn't too many years before they started doing it. So uh, why didn't you come back and push that? <laughs> because at the time I wasn't working avocados. So there. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> what so about? Anyone have a good recipe on how to make avocado in a dressing, like an avocado dressing that you would put, it would be liquefied or you put it on a salad? Hmm. In place of like oil, olive oil or something. Is that what right. you're thinking? Yeah. Yeah. I've tried it and it didn't work too well. Yeah. Uh, well, isn't green goddess salad dressing, isn't that supposed to be made with avocado? Maybe so. Probably very, but I bet very they still I thought that was yogurt. <laughs> or something uh -huh. sour cream, something yummy like that oil. just the avocado itself has the oil base and i've never had very good success i end up saying you know i'd rather just would you microwave it first or something yeah. <laughs> i'd rather just slice the avocado with my salad yeah that's good we should tell there's there are some people out there who think you can ripen an avocado by microwaving it but we have to tell just debunk that right away unless yeah, rex I, tried it no i haven't i've never tried that <laughs> it wouldn't be necessary to do that no i remember mm. there were there were a few hacks quote unquote hacky hacks out there yeah. about put it in the microwave i don't know what they thought well they that would doing. soften it up yeah <laughs> that's but probably that make it right. yeah but is that ripe or soften or rot or what soften it. they probably didn't know what an avocado was supposed to taste like that's why they <laughs> didn't 
Yeah. Oh, it's soft. I can eat it now because it's soft. But it tastes yeah, like eating the four avocados. They have no idea. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, how about freezing avocados? Is that possible? Yes. I don't have. You know, I have luck with food that is prepared. I don't do well with uh, freezing. Yeah, I, I yeah I did the the um the herbs and they they were okay. The herbs that Melinda sent me uh i used them for a little bit and then i popped them in the uh freezer and those actually have uh no discoloration when i you know pulled some out drop it in well so i would never are, i would never really nice product. i would never want to use frozen avocado or herbs if i can get the fresh thing but if you're about to oh, lose, if you're about to lose something if you're about to exactly. lose it mm -hmm. i have to clarify you can freeze avocados yeah and you can also cook them in the microwave. Yeah. That doesn't mean that they're gonna good. Right. I've never I've never tried to freeze avocados. I have, and it, it was a it loses the consistency, you know. The, yeah, that's uh, what I figured. It it must have to do with like the like you can't freeze certain fats because they don't homogenize after, you know. Yeah, yeah. right. It well, probably we know would be that... okay for uh, like smoothies and sauces. Yeah, for that it probably would work. Yeah, yeah, because you're going to blend it up later, right? Teresa, yeah. you had a thought. Uh, I did, but my mental <laughs> function. <laughs> <laughs> Teresa, I have never <laughs> seen her this fried. I am fried today. I'll tell you. He's microwaved. Oh my god! Oh yeah, yeah. I, they do freeze guacamole, though. We know that because people yeah. sell frozen guacamole. Yeah, but who knows what they put in it to preserve the color? Well, we when you know. have the guacamole, it's mixed up. So, well, thank you. I was but, talking about but, a, like a whole. You wouldn't want to freeze a whole avocado. I have seen online. I've never tried it, but I did see. Actually, no, I, you know, I take that back. I did last year. I saw that somebody was saying you could freeze a whole avocado. Yeah. So I tried it, but it was not very good. And when I thought when it, it out, out, yeah, it was just not there anymore. But like you said, if you took that frozen avocado and then mashed it up into guacamole, yeah. it would probably be fine. Well, I don't think guacamole would be good, but if I was going to make a smoothie or a sauce, mm. I think that right. might be all right. But anyway, you have to remix everything, you know, to get like something. Yeah, it just doesn't yeah. and everything yeah. kind of separates. And I like my guacamole chunky anyway. So, so Rick, I did just send you a recipe for uh, Green Goddess dressing made with avocado. Okay, and it looks like it has vinegar, cilantro. It did have salt. It has olive oil in it. So um, that's what I was trying to do was avoid the oil. I found yeah. some like that that you have to put oil with it, but it just yeah. The, you know, you know what I've done before that's pretty good. Uh, it doesn't look so good once you mix it up, but just make a salad, toss out or whatever kind of salad, and uh, cut the avocado up on top of it, and then pour balsamic vinegar over it. And then I don't mix it up too much because I don't like the way the balsamic vinegar colors everything. But if you just start eating it, that avocado starts to spread through the salad. Oh, yeah. And you get the balsamic vinegar taste. And that's pretty mm -hmm. good. Oh, yeah. This also has lemon. I bet you could do it without the oil. Well, I've tried it. 
I've tried it yeah. and it didn't work very well. Doesn't come out. It's it's not like a dressing, you know, where it soaks in. Yeah. It's just like a blob. I mean, uh-huh. I don't know how to explain it, but well, I, maybe you could thin it out with lemon juice because this one adds lemon juice to it. So that's a good point. Well, if you use vinegar, it would be do the same thing. Yeah, as the lemon. You juice. could put vinegar in there too. I think I did that. I think I blended the avocado with vinegar and it didn't taste that good. Well, I just yeah. came to the conclusion I'd rather just put cut up the avocado in a salad and use. Yeah. Well, that's vinegar, good. Too. Like Edwin said, the balsamic vinegar, just put that on there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Our next culprit on the spoilage s- scale was number three on the list of popularity of fresh fruits and vegetables that consumers said they purchased over the past year. That culprit is tomatoes. And Teresa is going to tell us about how you can get the most out of your tomatoes. Tomatoes love the heat, but hate the cold. And Mm. if you put them in the refrigerator too soon, they'll become soft and mealy. So instead, keep them on the counter and enjoy them when they ripen. And the tomatoes will continue to ripen after being picked. So keep this in mind when selecting them in the store. If you're not going to use them for a couple of days, choose some that are on the firmer side and allow them to ripen on the counter. You know, I've had a lot of luck with the Campari tomato because it has a great flavor to it. And I don't think I've ever lost a Campari tomato. They, they seem to last, you know, forever, but I'm sure you can, if you keep them too long. Are they usually all, are they always on the vine or are they usually on the vine? Cause I noticed. No, they're in a, in a plastic box. (laughs) Never on the vine. I thought I'd seen them. Oh, well they'll have, they'll have little vines on. They'll be connected. Some of them will. I wondered if the vines help preserve tomatoes. Not really. Once they pick them the they've already gotten to their ripening point but they leave that on there for aesthetic reasons to make it well that was my you question can smell you can smell that right that's where the a lot there's a pungent odor from the vine yeah there's a discount and, retailer that i go to that i buy the camparis and they're not on the vines they're just like one pound in a clamshell and they yeah. taste just as good as the ones that are on the vine but go ahead Teresa. i'm sorry I, that's no, all right that was my fault i interrupted you know, there are actually over 6,000 different varieties of tomatoes, um, but the Campari had a boost in their fame when they were on the Sopranos huh. in 2002. Um, they, I, I guess the cameo helped to increase its relevancy and respect within the Italian American community in the following year the Campari tomato recorded more than 50% increase in sales. Wow. (laughs) That was a very popular search. So I'm sure sure it did more than just the Italian community. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. How did you first hear about them? Me? I I heard about them because I was working for a company that uh, merchandised them. Yeah. So So quite a while back. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's when I learned about them. And as soon as I tasted them i thought this tastes like a vine ripe out of the garden tomato for the most part so yeah, they are sometimes good. better really good. yeah one out of your garden <laughs> they have that right balance of uh the acid and the sweetness it's just really good 
Mm -hmm. Are they grown in greenhouses or in fields? I think they're greenhouse grown. Yeah, they're all greenhouse. I wondered about that. Yeah. Yeah. There's only a few companies licensed to grow them. Oh, okay. Can't steal the seed. <laughs> you probably could, but don't couldn't let them know. Them. You couldn't market <laughs> them as comparing. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Any more about tomatoes for us, Teresa? Or? That's that's pretty much it. Um, okay. Well, you good. you can after after they're ripe, you can put them in the refrigerator, just like some of these other. Uh, and it slows it vegetables. down. It slows it down. You you might want to return it to room temperature before you cut it, or do what Rick says. Right? What do you say about tomatoes, Rick? Well, here's a hack that I've done for a long time. After, like if I cut a, if I have a large tomato and I'm not going to use the whole thing, if say I only use half of it, I'll put it in a little Tupperware container in the refrigerator. And then the next day, I'll uh, slice it up on a plate and put it in the microwave for about 10 seconds. And that, it brings it kind of like up to room temperature and it, it tastes just like you cut it fresh. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. You I can you let wonders. it warm up to room temperature also, but it takes a little yeah. while longer. It takes yeah. longer. Oh, yeah. the miracles you perform with a microwave, Rick. It's just yes. amazing. He, he, just he does saying. it all. We got to put chestnuts in the microwave and see how that works. <laughs> they would probably think, explode. <laughs> yeah, then we talk about it. I think he did say you could, but you got to make sure you score them or something. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Very good. <laughs> well, thank you, Produce Buzzers, for your brilliant and sage advice on how to make sure you get the most out of those hard-to-preserve fruits and veggies. I hope the listeners appreciated the information. Especially in these times of high inflation. You know, even before the high prices and high inflation, we never liked wasting our fresh produce. But now, with those higher prices, it is even more imperative to take steps to keep those fresh fruits and veggies fresher longer. I wanted to give info on a couple of more items, but I'm sorry to say we've run out of time. So we will have to say those for a future episode. And of course, in almost every episode, we give advice about how to select and store whatever fruit or veggie is the discussion of that day and that episode. So be sure to listen in each and every show to get that information. Please subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends on all the social media channels. Thanks again for joining us. Well, thank you listeners for tuning in to the Produce Buzzers podcast, brought to you by Produce Buzz, the gathering place for lovers of fresh fruits and veggies. We hope you were entertained a bit and educated a lot about fresh produce. Be sure to join us next time, and please tell your friends to do so as well. Like, share, and comment on our Produce Buzz Facebook page, and check out our website at www.producebuzz.com There you will find articles about fresh fruits and veggies how to select, store, and prepare them as well as lots of interesting facts about all the wonderful bounty the earth provides for us Until next time be fruitful and don't forget to veg out